Hi, and welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by Cooks. Cooks, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good, Sharky. <laughs> um, tough, tough not to have a pod last week, which is people, it's my fault. My laptop ceased to exist. It just stopped working as we're recording, so I'll take one for the team. Um, Chink, I've made sure I've made plan Bs and plan Cs this time, you know, I've replaced my laptop with the tablet, you know, going box style, replacing hookers with flowers. I've just made sure that I've just used other devices to make sure that I'm covered for whatever situation that happens today. But I'm good, Chucky. Good weekend of rugby. Beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, Flips woke up in, in full flow now and so much has been going on. Now it's been good. And you? How are you? Yeah. Awesome. I'm very good. Um, It's been busy. I'm sort of Happy and sad to say that I've watched every single World Cup game. Um, it's, um, but I will just tell everybody right now, if you are expecting an absolute doozy of a podcast, I can tell you for free that it's coming. We haven't even re- obviously recorded it yet, but it is going to be wild. It's going to be wild. This, uh, we are in for so much, so much to talk about and so much going on. Uh, I always like to chat about a little bit of rugby, but I think the most important thing is to warm up if you get into the Springboks, but I think we are going to jump straight in. Cooks, this weekend, the Springboks took on Romania. Um, awesome. We we expected a win. It was so weird. Eh? On, I always wake up nervous before, before a game. If I'm not nervous before the Springboks play, uh, I find it, I, I get a bit scared of not being wary. So I didn't wake up on Sunday nervous and I was like, that's a bit odd, but we're not going to lose to Romania. And then I had flashbacks from Japan. <laughs> so I had like a stern chat with myself. Um, yeah, uh, we, we put the hammer down. I think for me, it was um, an interesting game in a number of factors. Like if we break it up into quarters, I thought the first quarter was excellent. I thought the second quarter was terrible. Um, and then... The other two quarters were a little bit of mix and match because we were also focused on on everything else. But yeah, I mean, in short, the Springboks uh, decimated Romania, 76-0, they won. Um, great to not concede a try yet again. So the opening two games, we haven't conceded a try, which is amazing. I think, I think we conceded tries in two of the last, I think, nine World Cup games. I'm, uh, something, I'm speaking on a correction, but it's something like that. It's a pretty decent... Pretty decent going. Kurvis Reinach tried really hard to break his um, his hat trick record, um, his timed hat trick record, and he now fits, sits in second place behind himself. He did a he scored a hat trick in twenty four minutes. He was cooking. Makazula Mapimpi also got a hat trick, and um, I mean, you know me, I love Mapimpi, and I'm looking forward to chatting about him later. Willems has try for retry. Williams got two. Larue got one and a penalty try. So yeah, we we stuck them away. Cooks thirty three nil at halftime, seventy six nil full time. Happy? Yeah, as happy as you can be in a game like that. I think um, <laughs> there's no like I don't like there's no, once we've got that bonus point like in the eleventh minute. I think from there the shift <laughs> sort of goes it, it goes yeah it goes from like let's rather see what other combinations are, especially in a game like that where there was a lot of questions in terms of combinations. What combination going to play? How's Faf going to go at ten? How's Dion gonna go at um, at hooker again? And is Marco gonna is Marco Fonsal gonna shift into hooker at a stage? So I think once the box got that bonus point, that became sort of the shift from there. So 
sort of no longer became about how many points we get. I always felt like we'll, we would rack points. I think Romania's probably them in Namibia, Shame are probably probably 19 and 20 in terms of the best sides of the world, like, like bottom ranked in terms of the sides of the World Cup. And um, I think we're always going to hurt them. I think we, the way we started looked like it was going to be a, almost like a record score. But I think the box will be happy. They'll be happy that they were able to try out a few combinations and, and, and also use them and also use them for, for, for longer period, you know, five play 10 for about 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Um, so it's all those things. I mean, I think Dion played most of the second half at hooker, well, thought of a hooker and then Mark Van Sonnen got a run. So all those things happen. I think the box would be happy. I think I'm happy. Um, it's, all, it's tough because this game is so much to take out of it because you obviously expect it to dis, decimate the opposition. Uh, I think it'll it'll would have been a big cause for alarm if maybe we won by fifteen points, but I mean we won by seven six points. They never looked like scoring a try. I mean they they had a few half opportunities, but we snuffed them out. Um, and I think yeah, now it's pleasing to have the the note as well. But yeah, all in all, I think good results. It's probably exactly what they wanted from there, and then we just chalk it up and we move on to next week. Okay, first half. I want to dive into that, specifically the second quarter. So the first quarter, we destroyed them. I must actually uh, uh, digress here. So my daughter and I are busy chatting before the game, and and she says, Dad, do you want to um, have a little bet on the score? So I was like, cool. I'm I'm like, why why the hell not? You know, she wants to to have a little bit of fun. She's been watching a little bit of rugby lately. Um, So I was like, cool, let's go. So she puts down her score. she writes it down, 24-12 to South Africa. I was like, okay. <laughs> so she's like, what's your score? <laughs> so I said, um, 68-10. And she looks at me and she writes it down. And I was like, are you sure about your score? She says, yes, dad. I'm being realistic. Unlike you, who's being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that is sensational. Anyway, the reason why I remember that is because after 24 minutes, I looked at her, I was like, and? <laughs> she, she says, yeah, Dad, maybe you knew a bit more than me. I was like, well, maybe just a touch. Um, but yes, sorry. So that first quarter, we, we were good. Um, there's no doubt about it. I thought like we had to hit them hard and we, very, we don't start strong. The thing that frustrated me was the second quarter. I thought we really, we really got into that. Like we are a schoolboy side or a club side that are absolutely obliterating someone. So we're all going to want to score points and we lost structure and everything. And I hated it. And I know I'm nitpicking on a 76 nil win. I just want the guys to be sticking to what they've got to do. And I'm always comparing us to Ireland because we're obviously playing them this weekend, but because um, they really are playing good rugby. It's hard, though, when Ireland have named their full-strength side for the last five, six weeks, but especially the opening two rounds of the World Cup. So they, you know, there's two different approaches. We've cha- chopped and changed. But I wasn't happy with that second quarter, and I really felt like we dropped the ball there. Cooks, what do you think happened there? Like, Was it like we just take the foot off the gas because we're scared we're going to burn ourselves out? I just think, Sharky, I think... I think you're being a little bit harsh because there's always a lull in a, in a game like that where you sort of like, mm. I mean, it's 
what was like a, like either it's it's either the first 20 minutes within and then the floodgates sort of open but there's always tend to be a, a little bit of a lull i thought Romania also sort of got back into the game actually were able to hold on to the ball and also the, the also the, the that massive storm just out of nowhere just came we just pissing down <laughs> with rain for about 10 minutes and then just then disappeared again and then i still laughed when i was watching the game i was like when i had a water break i'm like water break while it's raining <laughs> like, my, like, are they playing in durban <laughs> and then because oh, there's a few knock-ons and things like that. i think the conditions didn't help with the with the rain the big rain but i mean obviously it's a spring box but i do think there's a little bit of a lull and also it is a bit of a like it's 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 i, I, I always i always used to hate this thing like when i remember when i used to coach or when i used to play when you get up by like 20, 30 points and then everyone goes, it's still no, no, boys. It's still no, no. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> like, it's not. Like, I understand the the concept of it, of trying to make sure that Oaks are still in tune and still busy, but like, you know, like it's no, no, like it's not. Like, you sort of, especially in the way the box was scoring, it felt like we were scoring at will. So that was the thing. Like, it just felt like, mm. we're just, you know, one or two, three phases and you're going to score a try. And I think sort of Romania sort of, I give them a little bit of credit because they, they did get back into the game sort of, they were able to make a, little f- a few line out more stops and then their chances too. I thought what I thought what we did well in that game though, so Sharky, is that whenever they, I thought our line out defense was good. I mean, I say Pizzo is good, but our line out defense was good. So we actually, whenever we, they thought they had a little bit of a sniff, we sort of, we, we took that away from them. I thought so. It's, it's probably the, the, that's probably the most we actually defended in that period and it was, just, it was still nicer when we weren't playing well. And I, and I did think, especially in the last five minutes, like, we're like okay, cool, we need half time to get you because now you sort of, We've gotten a little loose, and it's, but it's hard to sort of keep structure in a game like that when the game just sort of opens up so quickly and so easily. Like you blink in 10 minutes' time, you've got the bonus point. So it wasn't like we're like a slow burn and then eventually you pull away at the end. And I thought second half, after half time, we sort of reverted back to the structure and then sort of played a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can put me, you've put me back in my box a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, we, I think mentally everyone also likes to earn the the pull away as you call it you know like you do like to earn it because then it makes it sweeter you know once you start scoring tries and open it up and then you're in that mood but when it comes to you straight away like it does wobble a little bit and you're right I think halftime came at the at the best sort of period for us interesting um I heard um Matt Pierce on comms there 12 Romania's 12 Taylor Gontiniach Continuac, Continuac, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, is actually um, has a South African mom. And his dad was in South Africa for the 95 World Cup for Romania, played against South Africa, met his, his um, met a lady who became his wife, and their son is now playing for Romania against South Africa, which is <laughs> flipping awesome. Like, I'm all, that's why I'm here. I'm here for that sort of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I thought... Yeah, okay, so fair enough. I was a little harsh on, on, the, on the first half. Second half, I, I, there's so much I want to unpack here. Um, we, so I think one thing that I'm, I'm very interested in is I thought Marvin already probably, he didn't have, the best, he didn't have his best game by, by far for the Springboks. I thought he's got a lot of criticism in the past and I didn't think it was warranted. Ironically, he didn't get a lot of criticism this weekend, but he didn't have the best game, which is unlike him. Like he just didn't seem to be firing, which is a bit, a bit strange. But we made a whole bunch of changes at halftime, um, and we needed to 
sort of make some decisions. So Malcolm Marks is injured and, and out of the World Cup. And it was a not decided who would replace him. And it was obviously between replacing with a hooker and then with what is now been uh, confirmed is replacing him with Andre Pollard, a fly half. And I want to dive into that a little bit a little bit later. But Mbanambi played for 40 minutes and then we put on on Staden and Fari, of which we've both been told are playing and practicing hooker. We know that Fari's played hooker in the past for the Stormers and he played a little bit in the top 14 and the D2. Um, but I was a little bit concerned about it. What happened in the game, and I actually called it as a little bit of banter, but what happened in the game is that in the second half is that Fari and Van Staden were interchanging at scrumming as scrumming at hooker, <laughs> which is so top draw sort of shithousery from the Springboks because we are just changing everything all the time. Cooks, there's a lot that happened in that second half, and I, I want to talk specifically about the forwards. Your thoughts on the balance on how they looked and how things worked at scrum time and, you know, it was everyone's first hit out against the Tide, Romania. Um, what are your – can you unpack that for us and just let us know how the forwards went? Oh, it's so hard when it's against the juggernaut mm. of the powerhouse that's Romania. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's hard to judge. I mean, we scrummed, like, we scrummed mm. well. Um, the, I thought the forwards were good. I thought, was, I, I, I didn't, I thought, I thought Marvin was, was okay. I thought, he, I thought he's been – I thought he's had very good games for the box this year. And I think he said a high bar. I, th I, th I thought it was decent. I know you got hooked up at halftime. I thought, but it's again. I, I thought it was just some of the. It wasn't a game for like the tight for the tight guys in terms of. Do you see the true mm. value of a of a Marvinori or even like a Jean Klein, for example? Like I thought he was also quiet as well. But that's not the type of game for them. It's not the type of game where you're gonna see you're gonna see the value where they master the dark arts and, and like. Romania hardly contested a line-out and we were stealing line-outs there, line-outs at, at will. But I thought, I think it was, it was obviously interesting to see Dion and, and Marco coming on. I thought, I thought Dion, Dion threw very well. Marco, I mean, I mean, he was only, he didn't have the hardest throws in the world. So it's, so it's, it's, it's hard to, to be like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm so confident now. And our three hookers in Dion and Marco. I mean, Dion, I'm, we know Dion has played hooker before, so I think that's not the, the concern is obviously seeing how he's going to go and, Getting back into it, getting back into it after having not played for so long, but I think in terms of Romania, seeing it happen, it did answer a few questions. At least we know that Marcos now has done scrumming at at hooker in a game. I thought he, I thought he scrummed well. It did help that he did have <laughs> Dion and <laughs> Dion and and if it did help in your Stephen Kitsov and Franz Mahalba next to you. So that's fine. So I mean, we, we could put Faf there at hooker, and we're still probably. We wouldn't plenty of scrum penalties. So I think that's going to be also a very interesting combination now with the Springboks going forward is how do they pick the, the front row combinations now? with Because with, we, we know how when they have Bongi, Ox, and Trevor, the height they, they're able to get a scrum time because with Ox's height and Trevor's height, is they, they get lower than most sides and Bongi's also able to get lower as well. Puts them a great advantage, which, was, which is why Bongi... Ox and Trevor are such a great bomb squad off the bench. But now it's going to be interesting with, with, with Dion there, how, how, and Marco, how they're going to find that balance now between who's going to start where and, 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 and which props start where. Like maybe we see a shift, maybe like, but does kids come off the bench again? Or, so it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how they find that balance. I think that's something that we've not talked about much. 
And I think we will we'll dive into it. And I think I'm just looking around the comments of the weekend. But yeah, I thought the pack all in all was good. Um, yeah, it's it's so hard to like dissect a game against Romania because like yeah 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 it's just because like they I think we just, I think it was just good to see those those different combinations. Um, and yeah, the, the big test comes now. I think with with, with Ireland and then obviously Tonga afterwards in quarterfinals. I think that's now the test. I think we'll get a lot more answers this weekend than we probably got coming up now. Mm, yeah. Okay, onto the fun stuff, the backline. So we named <laughs> four scum wolves in the match at 23. We've got a winger at center. We have, <laughs> we have flankers hooking and interchanging. It was all over the show. But the backs. So Reinach starts. I thought he had an excellent game, but he was just hitting it hard. Willem said 10. Mapimpi. On the left wing, Grant Williams on the right wing, Estes and Amudi in the midfield with Vili at the back. Um, Grant Williams is, I just hope he's not in danger of, of, of getting moved around too much, but I think he's pretty much earned himself a shot to being in, in, the conver- in, in a legit conversation of being in the match set 23 for the spring box. He is quick, but I'm, I know we didn't get to watch him at nine. I'm super happy with, with the way he's playing at nine as well. How are we going to mix and match this scrum half situation moving forward? Because Fife's not going to have to play 10 because we've now got two fly halves back in the, in the setup. So what's happening moving forward is we, it's not like we need wingers. So Grant's not exactly filling a void. Um, how do you see things unfolding at the, at the scrum half department? Yeah, it's hectic. I think the spring was leaning towards a 7-1 for the weekend. I, I think we'll see it sometimes. I think we'll see it yeah. either between Ireland or Tonga. I do think, I think it, one of the biggest things they is seeing how Grant Williams go. And I think the 7-1 also, it does come in. I'm, I'm just thinking because and if they're trying to squeeze Marco van Staden and Dion Farin is sort of in the same on the bench, just in case in terms of scrum time, maybe with Marco being slightly bigger, in certain times, maybe they can sort of get an advantage of your scrums in certain scrums. I think there's, they can try and manipulate that in a way, or if one is struggling, just to, which is my concern, is something to think about where if they're getting Marco and Dion in. But it's hard for me because I think Jaden and Faf either start or sit in the, sit in the stands. So I think Jaden is, there are two starters, and I think Quirbus and Grant are two finishers. So the biggest thing now, I think that that balance is basically, I think with Grant now obviously being able, he's shown his ability to play on the wing, he's sort of shown, he's sort of shown himself of a place on that side. And with Quirbus, it's tough, because I thought Quirbus played very, very well. I know he scored those tries, but what I thought Quirbus did very well on the weekend, I thought he kicked very well. His box kicking was very good in terms of kicking for... He's got a thunder boot all of a sudden. Yes, he kicked very well. How he exited nicely, and I thought that was... And, he, and he's been kicking well all year, so which has been which 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 is which was very good. So I'm glad to see that he just kept on that form. Jaden, for me, I thought he I thought he played well, but also it felt like I was trying to do too much, sort of trying to get back in the game. I, I think Jaden is a perfect nine into when you want to control the game. Like for me, Jaden would be perfect for like, for a game like Ireland, but like a game like where you, you're asking him to sort of set the tempo and control the game, and sort of and then from there just let him do his work and go to work. I think that's where it becomes perfect. I think 
in terms of game control, him and Fafa are definitely our best nines. And so I think that's the question is which direction the box is going to go is who, because I do think Grant Williams has played himself is good enough to become a finisher. I think that's the hard part now where, so someone like a Jaden, it's either he's going to start or he's going to sit in the stands. So that's, Mm, that's mm. the hard that that's where I feel it is with Jaden Hendricks and I think if that's the case I think I still think they'll one fuff there in terms of experience especially with Marnie at 10 so that's I, I do think they want the experience of fuff on his inside so the way, way that that's where Jaden could sort of miss out mm, so mm. so I think that's how they're gonna play that balance I think that's that, that's how, how I would do it at least have some sort of experience but again but if Andre is playing say starting at 10 then I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I would want to have Jaden Hendricks at nine. Sort of, there was a little, mm. little, little bit more of that game control. So I think it's going to be a, definitely a horses for courses thing in terms of who's playing, how we're going to play. But I still, as a part of me, I, I, with Grant testing him in the 14, at least they know they have the option of the 7 1. Maybe against Tonga Island, at least to know. The, I, I won't be surprised against, against Ireland or Tonga, just to sort of see, like, just in case what, what, what does happen. And then, yeah, so it's. There's a lot of there's a lot of, <laughs> oh, there's, so, there's so many mm. questions there, a lot of changes there, but but it's going to be interesting to see. But the, but the scrum off one is the nice thing you've shown is all four scrums are playing well and they're rearing to go. That's been the nice mm-hmm. thing. It's mm-hmm. not like one guy struggling. Everyone is, and it just feels like everyone wants a chance. Everyone's desperate to like if I'm going to start, I'm going to make the most of it. If mm-hmm. so, so Jaden doesn't come on. You see when he come on, it's like I need I need to play well here. Because I'm fighting for a spot. I want to be in a starter. Fuff, same thing. Grant Williams, the same. So everyone is, everyone, everyone's a starter. Unfortunately, when you pick four, <laughs> there's, there's two of them yes, who's going to miss man. out and two who's going to play. That's the hard part. Yeah, so I think if we're looking at Reinach and Williams, who we both are of the, of the feeling that they're finishing nines, like bench nines because of their, their speed and all that. But Williams was more comfortable at wing than Reinach was at ring, wing the last time. So there's that. I, I, know it's, I know it's only one game. Then with Reinach's kicking, I, is he not pushing maybe for a start? Do you, you know, would he not leapfrog Jaden maybe um, to be in with the start? Do you, do you reckon we could start Reinach? He started a couple times this year already, but with that, boot and with how he plays because I've been very happy with how he's been he's been playing with his nine decision making and, and passing and stuff like that. He's been pretty fluid. Do you think he's in with a shot to start or dead set bench him him or Williams? No, definitely he definitely thinks he within a start club. I mean, he, I mean he has been playing well. It tends to I mean Kobas Ranak tends to be first man up if or before Jaden came when when Faf went down. All this comes in at nine at a stage sort of even went like when Osho Yankees when before they were so you, we know how the box do trust Kobus to, to always come in as to start and be able to do them job do a job for them he's kicking very nicely I just for me is I, I do think that Jaden Henderson for me is a slightly better nine especially at the start um, I, I for me Shaka the hard part is Jaden Henderson's injury has sort of been a blessing and a curse for him because he's got a rest and then but it's also opened the door for someone like Ron Williams if for me, if if you if you put my gun to my head and say who should start for the spring box and play sixty five minutes, and then for me it's Jaden Henderson. I think he is our best nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, like he, I, I think he's shown that, and I think that's the that's the hard part. But the problem is with injury, 
it's so hard not to play like so you can't leave Grant Williams at the squad in form wise and him coming off the bench and the impact he has off the bench. Faust being playing well, Kobe's Ryan's been playing well. All, all four of them have can have, can give you a solid case as to why they'd start. And all four of them mm. could win that case as to why they'd start. So I think, yeah, so I think for me that's that's that in the one that's the one position where I think if if any of those four started, i i I'm I'm extremely comfortable and yeah, I'm very yeah. happy with any of those four. If you told me any of those four, we're playing World Cup final tomorrow, they all start, they all start, I'm like, okay, cool. It's good to go. Um, sorry, we're good to go. And um, I think I'm, I'm happy with either four. Yeah. Um, so Jaden, for me, I, I was apprehensive to like throw him in in the beginning because I was a bit worried about his temperament, which is I've clearly been proved wrong, which I'm okay with. The other thing was that he's definitely our best kicking nine. Our game plan has changed and moved around that our nines are not kicking as much anymore. And, and I'm, I really do feel that that game plan will come back somewhere. We've, we've got a number of game plans that we're working on. I still think the Springboks are probably the hardest team to analyze and prepare for, not because we, we're playing all four of our scrum offs in one game, but it's because we've got different options, different game plans. We've, we've got different defenses. Our defense is roughly the same, but we've got the rushing one and then we've got an aggressive one and a not so aggressive one. So it's really interesting. So Jaden for me was the best kicking nine we had. And, but Fuff is the best defending nine we have, even though he does miss a lot, but he disrupts a lot. And uh, like he, he makes a massive difference. He's also in form at the moment because when Fuff's off form, he gets very erratic and I get scared because I'm worried that he's going to get red carded for high tackling, which is ironic considering he's that size. So yeah, I think you're right in terms of that anyone could start. I think Reinach has probably put his hand up more um, in terms of our traditional starting nine, where I think Williams has put his hand up just because he's going to cause chaos. Like you expecting this to come, the speed and, and this, you've got to be really tight around the ruck. You're expecting that in the last uh, 30, 20, 30 minutes when he starts, it changes everything. So yeah, we're in for an interesting time. That seven one conversation is is interesting. Uh, um, I'd love to chat about a bit about when we close off this this game, because seven one really hurts a lot of people. Uh, one of them, off the top of my head, would be Damien Willemser, um, because yeah, I don't think he gets to look in. Um, but anyway, I just quickly want to chat about our midfield. Um, I watched Andre Sazen this weekend. He's, he's got a great pass on him and really exciting. I personally feel that Esther has an, I, I think he's probably the, the closest to whether he starts, whether with Damien Delendi starts or Andre Essesen starts, we, 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 the swings and roundabout side, uh, we probably make the, the least difference because he's a, he's a different player. He's a massive, massive guy, but I don't think he does the post-contact work um, that Delendi does. I don't think he does the ruck work that Delendi does, but he's got other attributes to him. One thing that I think that Esther Hazen needs is he doesn't need someone like Moody at 13. So that sounds bad. I, I, he do, it's, not that, it's not Moody. I think that Esther Hazen needs to have a Creel or a Damien Delendi at 13. I think he needs a guy that's going to run inside lines, run hard, an abrasive runner that helps set a little bit of the platform. I felt that we were lacking a little bit in the platform setting in the midfield, which we're so used to happening, which 
everything, whether you like it or not. That's where a lot of our sort of game plan revolves around. And we weren't really getting that as much as I thought. Um, but again, as you mentioned, we won 76 nil, so I can't really complain too much. Uh, I would like to see if we're going to push for Andre Essazen to start, I'd like to see him have Jesse Creel on the outside. Um, just because I think it'll help us change our direction of attack and kind of straighten things up a little bit so we can really allow people to hit it. The other thing was Moody's got a bit of time to settle into that 13 jumper if he's going to take it. He's very, very much, I mentioned it a while ago, especially against the All Blacks. He's, uh, we, he had a good game, but he's very much a finishing 13. And we have forever been always had linking 13s. We've had defensive and or linking 13s and never really a finishing 13, like never an out and out, like a Rico Ioani style. We haven't had that. And, and, and Moody is that. And it was clear when he went alone against the All Blacks, um, he ended up scoring. It was called back for something else. I can't remember what. But on Saturday, we, we, uh, Sunday, we, we butchered a try where we probably had a three-man overlap. And that's the kind of stuff that must change. The best part is it's happening, it's happening now and it's happening in test rugby and it's not costing us and it's not mattering. Uh, mattering, is that a word? It's going to be one now. But yeah, Cooks, your, your midfield pairing, I mean, it's really hard to move away from De Lindy and Krill in, in the big games. Do you think Estazen's put his hand up a little bit more? you think Moody's going to learn quickly on, on, on how things are going to be working and how he needs to sort of conduct himself at 13? I think so. As an analogy, I'm going to try to give you. So, for those who love cricket, so Damien, Andre Estazen reminds me of Mike Hussey. Mike Hussey made his test debut at 30 years old, had to wait about 10 years in his career, scored his record for the most runs domestically before playing for Australia. He was so good, incredible, the best domestic batsman that Australia had at the time. But the guys ahead of him, like Ricky Ponting, Michael Clark, were some of the best ever. There was nothing wrong with Mike Hussey. But the guys ahead of him were starters. So for me, it's the same thing with Andre Estes. And I think he is playing incredible rugby at the moment. But Damien Dillon is also playing well, and he's our starting center. And we know how well and how he's trusted in the system and how well he's been playing and how good he is. So that's the hard thing for Andre Estes. And unfortunately for Andre, it's hard to put him on the bench because he only covers 12. And Damien Delinda is such a massive cog into the Springbok's success and the way they play, like you said, post-contact meters defensively. The way he defended against Scotland was incredible. The way him and Krill marshaled the defense is incredible. Like, Damien Delindy is, is human. Andre is also probably a top five center in the world or inside center, the way he's playing. But Damien is probably is a top, he's always up there with some of the best. If I'm not mistaken, Damien Lillian was in the team of the year last year. But it's so, it's, 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 unfortunately, this is what happens in good sides. Aaron Cruden at a stage could have walked into many other international sides, but couldn't start because of Dan Carter. The, the 12s were having incredible super rugby seasons, but they, were, they could not get in the side because of Marnonu. Because when Marnonu put a black jersey, it was incredible. Guys who were good. And then, and there's how many wingers that couldn't, or fullbacks who couldn't get in because Ben Smith was there. Nehemi Munascada was ripping it up at fullback, had to play wing because there was, there was Ben Smith then. Yeah, content. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, like uh, the guys, all of the, the, the tour trackers and guys on Twitter, that's what happens sometimes. Some guys 
can be incredible, just wrong place at the wrong time. And I think with for the Springboks, instead of trying to put them together and go like, oh, it's 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 a great place for us to be. If we lose David Lindy, we've got such great cover in Andreas Stazer. And I, in the big games, we definitely going to be Damon Delindy. He's it's not like Damon has dropped off so badly that that Andre comes straight in. Andre's definitely put his hand up. He's definitely knocking on the door, and which is which is what you want. And I think with Moody as well, I think Shock. I think he'll you'll obviously get better as a position that he hasn't played in a long time. So yeah, there will be games like he had against the All Blacks. There will be games where he has against Ireland where sometimes he'll create stuff and then. He'll create opportunities and maybe wouldn't give a pass here and there. But the most important thing is, Shark, he's creating those opportunities. He's creating those line breaks. That's, for me, is, as you know, you're also a backline player and I'm, and I'm massive on attack. Is I, I like when the chances are being created because mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. Moody has an opportunity to create those chances. If he's creating 10 chances and taking seven, it's still seven tries we've created. It's three is butchered. Mm. As opposed yeah. to him creating three chances and butchering two, and then we score one. So I would rather stay him. He's still going to create those chances, especially in that position. And, and it's hard. And, and yeah, there are those situations where you might miss or miss not pass here and there. But there are times where like the All Blacks try where you'll score a of nothing. And the, for example, like the intercept that he got. Not many, there's not many players that can make that play. I don't even think like a look, a look, a look on your arm can make that play. That's what the type of play he is. is that's, so that's the sort of the talent we deal with that. Like, He's extremes like Rico. You want to do certain things that a Conrad Smith can't do. Doesn't mean that he's a better player than Conrad Smith, but the finishing ability is something that that is so rare. And I think the All Blacks. That's why they keep persisting with Rico. You want it because there's certain games when Rico only gets the ball on the outside, and you go, it's it's undefended. You can't defend that. It's just it, it, it's um, we, that happened to us at Ellis Park where you absolutely skinned us. So I'm not too worried about I'm, I'm but Moody. I think. They did show some great poise and some some great balance, and you know, and also remember, forget there was the, there was a situation of him scrum of playing ten as well. That plays a massive role as well. Like you can't <laughs> you can't forget that. Like so, all the all factors in there. But I just think the, the, both, and, uh, the midfield pairing was was still trying to find itself with the plethora of tens that were <laughs> were playing. Yeah, and, so they're, also, like, they're you, trying to trying to find some some form of like some stability but it's not happening <laughs> no 100% so yeah I, I do feel it's tough for Andre Stazen but unfortunately Sharky some guys are all these guys you go man this guy only had 20 this guy had only I want to say only even just but they go man this guy had 20 test caps being like fortunately Damon Delindy was ahead of him and that's what the reason why he doesn't have 100 caps or 80 odd caps because with someone like Damon Delindy there are some really good centers who could have had Van Olofir, if he played 10 years before he did, when you could have, when John de Villiers and Jacques Free weren't holding jerseys, maybe he could have had 60, 70 odd caps. If Ron, Ron like, there's so many players, unfortunately, just miss out because there's a great player in front of them. And, and Jim Dillon is a very good player. He's, he's actually a great player, world class player. And the Springboks now are in a situation where actually they could have two world class inside centers there. That's what, you, that's that top draw, top five. World Cup in terms of world class, in terms of form, at twelve, and for me, it's it's actually a, a positive more than a problem, and trying to trying to fit away for one to play, not the other. Sorry yeah, hundred yeah, percent. The long, the no, long no, monologue. no, go. This is this is why we're here, man. This is why we're here. The one thing I will say is Moody's time at thirteen will 
will absolutely make his time on the wing better as well. I really believe that with him defending there and him seeing things, seeing the pictures from a 13's point of view, he will it'll change his play on the wing too. So we are we are in for a good time. I I called him as a, a serious contender for the 13 jumper from 2024. He's clearly putting his hand up now already, um, but he's going to. He's going to be in the in the Springboks squad squads moving forward for a long time to come. So yeah, he's he's going to be in with a good chart. Okay, we'll wrap that up. But now we might as well get onto the elephant in the room. Welcome, Marks injured. I I wasn't massively happy that we only took two hookers to the World Cup. Um, I needed the guys to have a break during on, on games like Romania um, and, and Tonga. Um, and as a, uh, fate would have it, uh, Malcolm Marx has picked up an injury. It's cost him his World Cup. He's out. And it was a no-brainer for me to include Joseph Dweber. Frankly, a no-brainer to include another hooker because I am not a massive fan of we don't like where in the world has a squad been named or anywhere been named, whether it's a match day 23 or a squad where you have one hooker and then other ones, we literally refer to them as backup hookers. We've never referred to them as a hooker, but now we're going into a test match against Ireland where we have a hooker starting and we have backup hookers and I'm not happy. I am a massive, massive, fan of like let's trust the process because like clearly um Jacques Ninaba knows more than me and Rassi Rasmus and them have got a plan and all that sort of stuff but we've called up Andre Pollard I don't agree with this I I want a hooker I don't believe that Faree it's with the greatest of respect I'm uh, I just don't believe that Faree or Van Staden can scrum how we need them to scrum at hooker in order for us to execute our game plan as efficiently. I, it's not about the lineouts. It is, but it's not about only the lineouts. It's about having a massive block of meat that is going to scrum the cuck out of people. That is, it's huge for me. I, um, it's the same conversation I have about moving people into a position like 13 is in a test match rugby, you don't have time to learn. Like you're, you're half a centimeter off, you're a half a meter off here. You, you, you're half a second getting into position because you, you're not familiar with it. That's going to cost us. There's that. And I, I'm worried. The other side of it is what does Andre Pollard coming back into the squad change the dynamics of our back line? That's a story that we'll get onto just now. But for me, the hooker side of things is if we are naming a, five th- a, a Springbok side, first choice pack with a 5-3 bench, Dion Fury and Marco van Staden very likely don't make that team. If we are naming a 6-2, Marco van Staden might make that side. But it's a might because Quacker Smith plays there and he adds he he can fill in the whole back three and on the back line and wherever and that's that's a problem for me i'm i'm struggling with this i'm struggling this seriously cooks you've done really well to help me get off the cliff twice during this podcast can you do it again no i might i might, I might push <laughs> over the cliff i'm not joking <laughs> <laughs> 
Sean, it's it's such a com. It's it's so much to unpack this decision because I like scrum wise. I think I think that he, I think that is the concern. I think just for me, just because I've been playing there for a while, but I do sort of think the two props will sort of like we have four incredible props to sort of to cover for that. But I think where I think where we'll and sort Trevor's of be able to back negate. In form. And Trevor's, Trevor's back in serious form to sort of negate that. And I think, Sean, for me, I don't think, here's my issue. I think scrum-wise, I think we will be fine. I think I think if the, the props can, can sort of can carry the burden there and, and the load there, and I think, and, and I think we'll find a way out. And I think Dion, having experience of, of, scrum, of scrumming at, 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 at hook and played it, I think he will be fine. And I, and I, mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think we'll get through. I think Mark, obviously, it's the fact that um, it's the fact that he's obviously practicing there, but I, I worry about that. I also would have probably gone with another hooker. I just always feel comfortable with three hookers just in case for situations like this. And also, like you said, just on the basis of rest. My question is this, and my, my problem is the balance of, of how we're going to play our hookers now. Yeah. Because do we, for example, go to Trevor and you say, Trevor, you're going to play the next? Six five weeks, you're gonna play. I mean, Bongi, you're gonna play sixty to sixty five minutes. But then, are you willing to put on a Dion Fourier or a Marco Fasada in fifty minutes to go? Pressure lineouts, pressure throws. You throw them in the mix, or for example, do you say, "I'm gonna start with Dion Fourier at hooker." Plays 30 minutes. Because at least if I know if anything bad happens to Shav, I've got Bongi on the bench to play the last 50. Scrum wise, and if it works, it's fine. If it works, it's fine. If it doesn't, I can pull Bongi, I can pull Bongi in quickly. Because if it's only Bongi goes off in the, in, and say Dion Marker doesn't work, then there's no other recognized hooker there. So those are the options. That's something like how they're going to find that balance. I. <laughs> Dion Furry is. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite players at the moment because there's like stories since he's gotten back. Fucking Justice. had to end like this. He had to, he like, comes back, comes back, hardly in the mix, gets cold, like you're saying too old, like, comes back and storms, turns out and argues probably the best player, and one of the best players in your roster of the two years, gets back in the box mix, gets in the World Cup squad, now is in the mix as, as a hooker where it all started. <laughs> and has a chance to play a massive role for people. Like, I love it. The excitement I love me, it. The, the excitement for me is Dion Fury will give this his absolute yes. all. He will. He's probably chomping at the bit to be like, this is my time. This is my moment. I'm going to make the most of it. So I'm not worried about Dion Fury at all. He's not my concern because I think he's going to be, I, I, I can't say I'm obviously worried with like the throwing and him going, it, it's, it's him, it's, I still wish, I still rather have two specialist hookers minimum. That's, that's I wouldn't be concern. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Brunas, I agree with you totally when you say he's going to throw it and give it all. I wouldn't be surprised when all of this conversation happened that he sent Bongi a text going, I'm coming for you. <laughs> hey, no, a little bit of inter, inter, inter squad rivalry. We'll take the job. If there's anyone in the world, like if anyone like in Sarifu, like with like any like utility player, sort of like, you know, you're like a Dylan Richardson who's played 
hooking a bit of flank or something like that. Like John Fury is a perfect because the, the way he is, the way he is, and the sort of personality he is, he's gonna fucking take this for the scruff of nation and go shit. This is my moment. I can leave a memorable mark in this in in, in my legacy. I can hundred percent do that. So the man, the guy who's covering, I'm I'm happy for for him and. And I know the job he's going to do. I, I would have just taken another. I just feel like there's certain positions that you do need a specialist in. And I know Dweber gets a lot of grief for his throwing. But but everything else is fine. Everything else is fine. He's scrummaging and all that. But and I think that plays a certain factor in it because I just feel like there's certain. Yeah, I just feel like there's just even if you, you have Dweber there and still maybe still want Dion and the hooker, but you should know there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a third hooker there if push comes to shove. And like you said, and you said, like, and like you said, Sharky, just for the sake of rest, like where you can have, like, because now, for example, like, like Bonga's playing stronger again, because so Bonga can't rest pretty much because he's playing stronger, and and there's a lot of games in the World Cup, and it's it's a lot of rugby to play, and um, that it's a big it's a big factor. So the Dweber one is tough. I think I I, I would have gone with Dweber. I think I'd have gone the. the safe route and um but like i am I'm, I'm very keen to see how dion goes i was just thinking about that over over as the you know sometimes you need, you need some time to like mull over the news and sort of mm. i think i think dion for is going to be absolutely chomping at the bit to have this opportunity i mean he's since, since he's come back from from france all he's been doing is proving people wrong i remember when he yeah he got a, a couple of yellow cards and people were like oh maybe he's too old maybe 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 he's over the hill and then flip and hell, and then he went on this ridiculous run where he's probably the best the veteran in, in, in URC in the last two years and, and, and been incredible. So I think he's probably going there, like people saying, I've been working for a while, fuck, watch this, watch, watch what I do. That's the sort of character he is. And yeah, so I think, just see, I'm very excited to see how he goes. But if you'd ask me, I would have gone for the third hooker option because. So, but Sharky, sorry, like, oh, I'm opening a can of worms now. So what happens now if we lose? Let's say we lose a backline player or a Lucy, like a backline player like a Lucy. Are we, are we then going to bring a Dweber in? Or do you know what I mean? Like sort of opened up a... I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking like, about like, this. And, you know, we, the one thing that I'm, like, as I always say, we've just got to kind of trust what's going on because this is not like a, like a spur of the moment decision. Like there's, they've planned, they've had conversations, they've looked at options and all that sort of stuff. So I'm very interested to see what's going on. I was trying to think about what you've just mentioned. Like, what if there's another injury somewhere? Like, what's going to happen? Are we going to then use that opportunity to bring a hook in? Will that mean that the first decision we made was wrong? Or does this mean that it balances a squad out? Like, like what's going to happen? But the one thing that I have learned is we, the Springboks, have like just rewritten rugby and what to do so many times over. When Rassi Erasmus took over the coaching and director of rugby in 2018 or whenever he did it. Like he went on to win the world cup. Like that it's, it was impossible before that. Everyone knew it. You can't prepare a team in such a short period of time, but he did it. Then he's moved up to DOR and we've got a Jock Ninaba in and we've started changing the way we're playing. We were the most predictable 23 to name by far. We were, we were like Ireland. Except now, we don't know who we're going to name, but we're still as competitive, okay? We have multiple game plans. 
we have players that can execute two different game plans and then multiple players in that position. And we, we, we have the strongest, most dynamic squad out of anyone at the World Cup. Like a side that can be competitive by naming a completely new team is the depth we have is incredible. But now we're onto this. We've taken four scrum halves to the World Cup. Are you joking with me? Like we took two hookers. I had a aneurysm about that already when we had two hookers, let alone one. Now I'm shitting the bed. And then we name a 7-1 bench. Like, man, we've just got to just sit back and enjoy the ride. Like, I mean, Cooks, if you think about it, like, we've done everything that's not rugby in the last four years. <laughs> oh. It's actually, it's actually, it's actually been wild. You can't actually, <laughs> it's actually, <laughs> right, because like. We also played those four no, scrum offs in one game. I yeah, mean, there's no manual. We, we, we scored a trial. We went from scrum off to scrum off to scrum off. Like, so there's been, <laughs> like, it's, it's um, so hard not to, to predict what the Springboks do. I think it's, like you said, it's, it's a testament to, to our depth. And I think, which is, which is incredible, you know, which be able to sort of, the, the hardest thing to be in South African rugby is a one position player, because unless you're a prop, and then you, otherwise, you, <laughs> otherwise, you know, you're not playing many games, but um, yeah, it's been crazy, Sharky. Like it, it, it's such a crazy thing where you just sit like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it's ever happened where you sort of take a loser hook and a fly off comes back in. And um, what? But I'd also think. And you only, and you only had two hookers to start, eh? This is the most yeah. important part of it. You only had two to start. No, hundred percent. But I also think it's also a. So, like, what I was thinking, you know, that's nine thousand theories that you know every Spock <laughs> fan we've all been thinking about the last trying to dissect this thing is. I also think there's an element of. So we've lost Lukanya um, Lotiocha, Andre Pollard, say before the World Cup, before we picked the squad. Three massive cogs in our side, three starters. And then Marks, for example, that's a fourth one where, which is massive. If you look at all four, all played massive roles in us winning the World Cup in the run you've had. Andre Pollard, you know, you know he is. Look on your arm, probably the best in his position. Marks as well. Luati Top ten lock in the world, Pollard probably top 10, 10, top ten ten in the world. Probably the most form fly off the sort of the year the way he was going off. So I also think it's a matter of you know you're losing a world class player, Malcolm Marcus. Probably best to replace him with another world class player in say in say Andre Pollard if that makes sense. So you sort of go, okay, let's still get that leave keep the that high quality to come in of of play to come in. So at least we're going, okay, we're not four. World class starters are at least now we back down to three now. Maybe maybe different position, but at least like we've still kept the same number of high quality. We've got an incredible depth, but there's still there's still a few world beaters in our side that absolutely crucial players who are top in the world, walking to most teams in the world. So I think that also may, they could have played an, a role in it. And also Malcolm Marx is part of the leadership team, one of the big leaders. Andre Paul is also the vice captain of the Springboks. So you also the leader. So you, you, leadership wise, also you're not you, you're not losing anything. You're probably even gaining much with him being the vice captain. So I think all those different factors are coming in with Andre Pollard. And the interesting one, sure. I mean, obviously, sorry to move it towards the back. I'm moving to, a, to sort of your your forte. You're going going from the forwards to the backs. Because <laughs> you're right. The interesting thing now with Andre is 
the, this new way the box has sort of been playing has come after is when he's been injured. Bray. So it's going to be interesting to see, interesting to see how, because the thing with the box is like if, if there's certain combinations that work well together and then you can sort of see there's certain players that like to play well together. They, they, they tend to play well together. I, I would like to see how many tests Andre has played together with Willems at 15. Because I know him and Andre and Willi have sort of been the bulk, the, the, the core 10 and 15 combination. So now I think with the Springboks, it's, they're going to try and sort of find who's the, the 15 to play for, for when Andre is there, who's the 15 to play when Marnie is there. So because with Andre, like you said, it surely opens up all these other combinations is does he come straight back in the seam when he's fit? Because so he's not playing against Ireland. No, I don't, I don't even think he's made, the, he he'll be in the twenty three. Because of the the thing we the reports say he want to obviously train on Monday, so he'll be back against Tonga. But now, so so against Tonga, it kind of does feel like he's got to start. But like he no. has, he has does to he play. become second choice ten? So just I want to stay on this hundred thing. What I do want to add to when we talk about like all these changes and these weird curveballs that the Springbok coaches have sent us, remember, we still haven't seen what they're going to deliver. So we've still got to wait for that. So there's more surprises coming. Anyway, I had okay. to get that in. Let's go back to 100. 100? So if we had to cast our, our, our minds back three months, we were saying, I was saying, that we are not going to be taking an inexperienced 10 to the World Cup. Then Henry Pollard was injured and we were, then we were talking about Lubok and Yanchis. Then we were like trying to get Rob Dupree in the mix and Mornay Stan getting a recall and uh, just looking at guys like Kirsten was mentioned. Then it was made very clear that Money Lubok and Damien Willems are going to be the flowers. Damien Willems has tried out a little bit. Money's going to give it a go. Then he started playing. Then we started seeing him recreate that form that he's had with the Stormers. And then he struggles a bit with his kicking. But we know deep down that the Springbok coaches are not taking an inexperienced 10 to the World Cup. Then they go and take an inexperienced 10 to the World Cup. They make him your first choice 10, and he is the only 10. Then he starts performing. And he's shown us that he is excellent, excellent. There's honestly only one flaw, and that is his kicking two goals, which is something that I always believe can be fixed. The thing is, is Every single aspect of his game in test match rugby is very good. He hasn't, he's looked a little out of sorts and out of shape every now and then, but he's recovered very quickly. He manages very well. He's got a great understanding with the guys inside and outside and with the whole team, it seems. Also, our wingers and everyone are getting more ball, more everything. We are playing faster, better rugby. He's a better heads up player. He's a better executor. He kicks with left and right foot. In all in all, he is a better fly half than Andre Pollard. And Andre, he's got better attributes at, at fly halfing than Andre Pollard does, which only one error on his side is his kicking side of things. Andre Pollard is a better kicker when on form, but that is more heavily weighted in, as a fly half, if you understand what I'm saying. So we're in for a very interesting time. And the other thing, Cooks, and you, you nailed it, is all of this, this unlocking of the backline, this changing of everything, the whole change of our style and play and everything, how we've sort of evolved. A lot of it has come with Manny Lubok at 10 and not Andre Pollard. 
how is that going to affect the team, how they're going to play? And you know me, Willy LaRue, the way he plays at 15 is massively different when Andre Pollard's at 10, especially when Andre Pollard's struggling. Are we going to get a struggling Andre Pollard? Because you are right. The, and, and I agree totally. The form that Andre Pollard was in for Tigers this year was the best form I've seen him play. I've not seen him play rugby that well. Not even for the Springboks has he played that well. He's playing great. His passes were good. His kicks for touch were good. Um, you know, so what are we going to do? How's that balance going to change, Cooks? Like, what's, what's going to change in the dynamic? How are we going to adjust? What are we going to do? Can Pollard, everyone wants to play fun rugby. Can Pollard go reel back the years and bring back that style of rugby back into his game? You know what it is? I think Pollard also, I must say, he's gotten this stick of sort of being like this, the closed in, boxed in, kicks, does, kicks is like a boring fluff. He doesn't, um, doesn't, doesn't pass much. He doesn't, he, he, he just, you know, he gets, he's going to kick it. He's going to carry. I remember when he, I always remember when he, when he, when he came through. One thing I loved about Pollard is he, he just, he had the sort of running game where he was sort of like, he, he was good at like a few, he was just good at everything. Like he was good at everything. Jack of all trades could do a little bit of everything. But in but enough yeah. to sort of you can never. But one of his biggest thing was how physical you could be taking to the game line. So it's a bit different. So you always have to you always have to respect him carrying the ball. So you sort of if you put short, you can put someone in a gap, or you can sort of chip over. But he was, which, but then sort of I think he sort of slightly more in his box the way that the way we sort of played. And I think obviously in twenty nineteen, I think obviously with similar to how England are now, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into England in terms of you're not gonna. No coach is going to take over a side in two years before a World Cup and start playing running rugby. That's impossible. You're gonna you're gonna lose, like especially unless you're the All Blacks, you die with a sword. But you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna lose. You sort of you play in a structure where you're good defensively. You tick all those boxes. You good. Your pack's good because that can travel well, no matter how well your attack goes. So and put and Pollard can play that role because he he has a good kicking game. He's good off the boot. And sort of the other part of his game sort of sort of kind of fell away a bit because we he wasn't expected to do as much of it. Whereas when you got to Leicester, they were saying, "My man, you replacing George Ford. We need you to run our attack. We need you to do, to be an all round." And we saw that all round game. It wasn't he wasn't just great at Leicester because he was, he was kicking well. His all round game was fantastic. He was doing some of the highlights was coming out from him was incredible. He was probably the best 10 in the Premier League this year when the, the form that you were showing before you got injured. It was and between him and Rob them. Dupree. And, and, it, and yeah. you're right. I, I watched a lot of his games. Pollard was playing great rugby. His first game was sketchy. Then after that, he started hitting it. And I was like, shit, this is not Andre Pollard. This is not the Pollard that I am used to watching, which is, was a massive positive. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. So, so has I'm, he been hiding this away for 2023? <laughs> So I'm interested to see. I think I think that's the sort of transition that Box wanted to go to with Pollard last year, but then obviously he got injured, and then sort of that sort of halted the progress of it. And then Marnie sort of came in. But even then, though, Sharky, if you go back, let's say two months ago, but when the or a month ago when the squad got announced before they went to France, we all felt injury or not, Hundred Pollard is still the guy, number one. Yes, comes in, but it wasn't a hooker. <laughs> We never yeah, thought we'd lose a hooker. <laughs> no, 100%. But now, oh. the way, 
with how well Marnie is going and the way we're playing with Marnie, what's happened is now, it's, now we go, hang on, hmm. Do we, just hook this, do we just take Marnie off? Because the way we're playing now on the tech is so much different. And, and the way he's orchestrating the tech, it goes, whoa. Now it's a, now it's a, now it's a full-blown conversation now. Because Andre Polo, 10 used to be one of, the, one of the few positions where you go like, oh, Andre, no questions, no questions asked. Let's move on. Now there's a question about it. It's, it's a good conversation point. And, and the hard part is you play a 6-2, we're not putting a 10 on the bench. That's no. the thing. So, so it's, it's, it's always become now a straight shootout. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Because obviously Marnie should play this weekend and then Pollard will, Pollard will have to start next weekend. It's almost, a, it's almost a trial game for the, quarter, for, for the quarterfinal. And, but he has but, to because he's essentially the second choice 10. Right now, coming back off injury. I hear what you're saying, but yeah, I, I'm just I'm but, playing, but I'm playing you know, yeah. It's still Hundred Pollard. It's still a World Cup winning ten, Hundred Pollard, who is if you I, told I, me I, if if you told me we were playing this style of rugby and Hundred Pollard was at ten, I'd tell you you were lying. So like we're Oh, we are in an incredible position, but it's all about the balance. So if you're playing, so if you're playing, France, again, if you're playing France on, on Saturday, quarter, World Cup quarterfinal, you know, so you're saying you, you still got money now over 100. I'm just asking, is, I agree with you in terms of saying. Is, you're breaking up, of, I I'm, can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh. it's, it's a hard question. Like I'm playing devil's advocate uh, advocate because you know how I feel about about, about Martin Leboc. And um, he's the, this weekend, he's, he's going to conquer a 16 and just took off all the tens up, asked him to conquer before the championship started. So Mwanga got some yes. smoke, then Russell, now Sixton's the last one. So mine's going to plan for me, and I believe in mine in the book. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, like, if I was sitting, for example, like, if we were sitting in a coach's meeting right now, these are the questions I'd ask. I'm not saying, I'm just like, so what about so-and-so? What about... I'm with you, and, so, that's why, and that's why we need to have these conversations. We need to look at all these options. Like, how does... How does I, 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 you know, you ask that question and I'm doubting myself, but I do think that Manny Lebock is the, is the first choice fly half for the Springboks now. Having said that, Andre Pollard, had he been fit, would have been first choice, and we know it. So it's really tough. Like, the South African fan base has been put in the most awkward position. Like, everyone was freaking out and had the shits because Pollard was injured and we didn't have a backup 10. Now we're having the shits because Pollard's coming back and he's going to take away our favorite backup 10. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm just worried about the dynamic of everything because so of how vital 10 is. So basically, we don't have a shit about anything, Sean. That's what you're basically saying. Either way, we're going to have a shit yeah. about it. <laughs> we got these pros and cons about everything. Is they're, so, they're polar opposites as players. So, like, what's, what's going to change with everything? Like, how's it going to go? Um, I saw someone throw something out on Twitter that, that, they want to see Andre at 10 and Manny at 15. Um, yeah, I don't well, think that'll work personally. I think there's been so I, much going on as well. Also, someone's like, well, maybe we throw him at 12. I'm like, I was going to say, what about what Manny 10, 100, 12? Oh, no, like, oh, no. There's no but, space. So there's no space. So it's like, that's the, that's the hectic part. I mean, someone said, like, maybe Paul at 15. I'm like, where have you seen Paul play 15 now? Now we just got crazy positions no, for that's, people. That's a no <laughs> from me. So like, let me ask you this. 
Who's the who's the biggest loser out of Andre Paulo coming back? Who's the biggest loser? And let's talk five three, six two, and seven one. So five three is ideal because then you, you you get everyone in. But the problem is then. But who's the biggest loser? Oh, Tell me your five, five three bench. We'll have we'll we'll have a nine, and then we'll have a five three. You go so Dion on the bench, Trevor, Koch. I mean Ox Trevor. Sorry, that's eighteen. Oh jeez, I'm running out of players. Archer, Quacha, Quacha, yeah, I say Quacha, and then are you going? Grant Williams, Scrum off. Andre Omani. Okay. Um, so, so Flower, Andre Omani, and then either Williams or... And then who? Well, either... See, if, if you go 5-3, then for example, B- like... Williams, Moody, KLA. Williams, Moody, KLA, they'll sort of come in. But then for 6-2, you can't, have a, you can't have a 10 on the bench because that means no. either Willie or Williams are starting. And if you have... Yes, so... <laughs> let's say, for example, seven, like, one. If, you, if you go 6-2... And you go, do you know what I mean? Or you can go 6 2 and you say, I'm going to have. Oh, geez, no, you can't actually, because then you can't ask, you can't say I have a 10, like I say, Marnie on the bench and Paul starts, and then say Marnie must shift to. Unless, like, you're thinking, if the only way 6 2 for me splits, I'm thinking, I'm thinking top of my head is, let's say you have 100 on the bench, then your 100 comes on. Let's it comes on, say for villain for, because then you can, sh- yo, it's, it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> all these puzzles are like, because I was thinking like, maybe you, the way you can do it is if you say you shift JLND to 13, Krill goes on, one of the, so let's say you pull off one of the wings, like a Colby or Kelly, or you, or you start my Pimpy, pull my Pimpy off. And then you have Krill on one wing with, say, Colby, 15 will be, Oh, jeez. I don't know. See, yeah, you can't have a 10. It's, it's such a weird dynamic. Damien Willems so, is uh, the yeah. biggest loser for me of this. Damien Willems. Yeah. He's the biggest loser and the biggest winner. And then I think the second choice 10 is also the biggest loser. So, but don't you think Damien... Like Manny Lubbock's gone think, from possibly starting every single game to actually missing out on some big games, potentially. And Andre Pollard but, could go into the World Cup and, and not play big games. But here's my thing, though, Shock. I, I, I hear you about um, Andre. I mean, about Demi Willemser. But has Demi Willemser not played himself into a starting 15 berth over Vili? See, see, the, so, these are the questions. No. Are. So now this is the thing that I, I think Vili LaRue is playing his best rugby at 15. Granted, it's with Manny LeBoc at 10. So will the balance then be Vili plays with Manny and Damien plays with Andre? Like this is like imagine being an analyst trying to figure out what the box are going to do because there's so many options. Willemse at one stage had to start at one stage and not so long ago had to start for the spring box. Whether he started at 10, 12 or 15, it didn't matter. He had to start. In end of 2019 and he, he, he became player number 23 where I wrote a piece on it and I said he is the second best of everyone. So he plays player 23 in a 6-2. Now, he is not the best 10. He's, not the, he's, not, he's the third best 10 with Pollard there. He's the third best 12 with Delendi and Esterhazen. 
He's the second best 15 with Vili, but also because he covers 10, 12, 15, he's going to sit on the bench, but is Hundred Pollard going to take that space? Or is Manny Lubbock going to take that space? Like, what the hell? Like, we don't have enough electricity in South Africa to finish this conversation. It's 100%. Like, To fit all them. Because for me, Damien, for example, like, I thought this year, I thought at 15 in terms of, Vili's in this weird mode again where he's struggling to catch a high ball. And when Williamson sort of came in against in the All Black game, how well he seemed in the All Black game, the Scotland game, I thought, I thought Williamson was very, very good at 15. I thought he had two very, very good games. But now it's going to be interesting to see like that balance because I, th- I do think if you're playing Andre Pollard, I think you need, I think you need Vili to play with Andre. But, but Vili, Vili, Vili plays his best rugby when Andre is, is comfortable. I, yeah. I promise you, I don't know how I'm going to prove this, but I promise you, Vili LaRue is positioned differently on, on attack and defense when Andre Pollard's having a bad game because I almost feel he's covering. Vili's playing wider and better. Look at, look at how Vili's been playing recently. Look how wide he's been going. So this is my theory. And I'm so glad I, I get to say it again, and I apologize to everyone who's heard it. Um, Vili LaRue played his... The, when Vili LaRue put his name on the map when he was in South Africa, but the second time he put his name on the map and he really stamped it down was when he was playing at Wasps. And he was playing when Wasps had... He, w- he wasn't entering that third phase or second, third phase. He wasn't entering in the line in the 10 channel. He was entering the line mostly outside of that, outside of that 10 channel, that sort of 12 is channel. Now we've seen him do a bit of both where he's coming in, um, in mostly at that 10, when he plays with Manny a little while ago, Manny was setting up the platform attack and really was doing the, the, the wide attack. He was coming in at 10, but a lot of the other time that we see him, he's coming in, in outside the 12 channel. Now, I really believe that that works best with Manny. But having said that, Pollard, we haven't seen the new Pollard yet. Like the 2023 Pollard that you and I watched, it's the best I've ever seen him play. Like, is he, is he going to change? So, I, I, yeah, I still think that Vili's, uh, uh, right now, if it's a final tomorrow, um, Vili LaRue starts at 15 over Damien. And Damien's going to, yeah, I don't know. We're in, no, it's, we're in no. a very good position. It's all about balance at the moment. That's what our squad is showing. It's about balance. Like We're having this conversation. If you start X, you have to play Y. You can't start Z there. You can't start another guy there because these two work well together. And we can start them and bench them. That's where people are going to cuckle. Yeah, you are right because it's all about balance and it's a good place to be. It's good questions to be because... It's not a situation of this guy's cuck. He's got to go out. No, but it's so-and-so. So it's, a, it's about balance. I think that's going to be the key word for the spring box. It's always been balance and where they get a drought. But now we're always worried about front row balance and bench balance. Now it's, this 100 thing, is, it's been great because now we've got two tens and sort of throwing a spanner in the works. And so it's a good spanner in the works. So, yeah, it's going to be, like you said, there's enough electricity to sort of, to sort of decipher this. The best thing they can do is can, can, will be Jacques Nino, but like just releasing the team right now, Monday morning. So none of us have to worry about this or we need the report to, to come out and tell us what is going on. But um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm excited. <laughs> See, they've, they've, started, they've started dropping bombs on cricket now as well. 
Yeah, and they're doing cricket bombs now as well. It was Oxford overtime. But um, yeah, um, no, it's oh, Sean. It's it's a good spanner in the works. Um, it's good. The balance oh, is going to be there. And what a is, big spanner! Eh? Big spanner, and the balance is going to be there. I think it's it's going to be very. The next two weeks are going to be very exciting because a lot of questions will be asked. Like this weekend, obviously, will be the 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 whether did you do we have enough hooker cover? I think that'll be answered this weekend, and then next week it's how's Andre looking? Is he back to his form that he was before injury? And then after that, you know, it was the questions was in the quarterfinals. So there's two very good questions that's going to ask. I mean, so I'm very, very excited for these next two weeks. Yeah. Yo. The one thing that I do have absolute faith in, I've, it's really hard for me to see it, but I have absolute faith that I've always believed, and I think it's come across in, in Chasing the Sun and all that, is that how, how much the Springbok coaching staff and management value the individuals, the players, the people, they value the, the human beings. So they like have to have, and I'm certain will have had these conversations with Joseph Dweber, with Krobelar, with, with Manny about bringing Andre in with Damien and with Andre. And um, yeah, like that's, that's the, uh, that's the only thing. Like as long as everyone like everyone is known from the get-go what's happening and the amount of planning that Jacques Ninaba does and has done, you almost feel that everyone knew internally already what was going to happen. But yeah, Cooks, anything you want to wrap up on the Springboks before we move on to the rest of the World Cup, which doesn't matter because it's all about us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I think, man, like just, yeah, very excited for the game this weekend. Um, Two of the probably the most probably informed sides coming to the World Cup and in the World Cup at the moment. Yeah, I can't wait for this weekend. I'm absolutely it's gonna be the game of the World Cup so far. Both sides have made statements. Both sides, both sides are would want to keep the momentum to win, um, to keep going forward. So, uh yeah, very very keen for this weekend. Yeah, nice. Okay, there were some other games on in Rugby World Cup 2023. Round two kicked off with uh, the host France taking on Uruguay. Uh, finished up 27-12. Pretty decent showing. After that, New Zealand, Namibia. The Kiwis thumped um, our neighbors 71-3. Unfortunately, there was a horrible injury to uh, LaRue Milan. Eh? Yo. Cooks? Was it yeah, LaRue Milan? Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. So he's... Got a bit of a bad break. Um, he was stretched off. I've seen subsequent posts now that the operation went really well and the break wasn't as bad, but the Kiwis all banded together, gave him a signed jersey, and Anton Leonard Brown went to go visit him in hospital today or yesterday. So that's, that's all good. Rugby values check. Samoa Chile. Um, first time Samoa had a run out. It was there. Eh? I think so. Anyway, Samoa Chile, 43-10 Samoa. Um, Wales, Portugal. So now here, Wales beat Portugal 28-8. I thought Wales struggled a little bit. But one thing I will say, and the only thing that really matters, is Talupe Falatao put in a sensational tri-saver. The man has got wheels. And I know Jared always talks about him and says that it doesn't matter what sort of form he is, whenever he puts on a Welsh jersey, he's going to cook. So, yeah, that's, that's good going. Cooks, did you get to watch that? I did. Portugal. I mean that that that, that uh, Toby Falato, um tackle was amazing, but Portugal argued oh, pulled out the line out move of the tournament. Oh, so, yes, 
so good. Little no look and oh, in no, those, those amazing Portugal and Portugal and um, Uruguay for me was one of the big performances of the weekend. Just I love Uruguay against France, and both sides had chance to win that game. Handling errors sort of cost them, and you know it just shows. You know, like uh, the Portugal was getting hundreds a couple of World Cups ago. Uruguay have got. Someone like a, in, in Santiago Arata, arguably one of the best lines in the world. He was incredible in the game. But you can show the growth in the game for all these teams, all these teams have made. And there's all this talk about, oh, maybe the World Cup needs to go, go down to a few low, fewer sides. Yeah, you get a Namibia and a Romania who have struggled. But Romania's had to play the two best teams, most unformed teams in the world at the moment, back to back. <laughs> Good luck. luck. And then they got Scotland to clean it up. And it's like, yeah, it happens. And I think obviously, though, but, but those teams will also improve. They also get better. There's a team, the likes of the USA couldn't get in the World Cup. That just shows that those teams, Romania didn't, didn't wake up your bandit. So, oh man, I loved everything about Portugal. And I'm so excited to, to dive deeper into to Pool C because Pool C is a fucking, it's chaos down there. Jeez, it's, yeah, it's getting chaos. chaos. But yeah, I, I love that game. Um, I love yeah. Portugal and Uruguay. Can't even, Oh, man, I can't wait for the Italy Uruguay the game this week. That's going to be that is yeah. a sneaky game, on Wednesday, week, hey? game of the week. Oh, Wednesday, the Italy what a way to start. Uruguay game because Uruguay has probably marked that game as like this is this is our our, our big bank here. Our, if we, they've probably marked yeah, it to beat yeah. Namibia. I think that, but, but this is the one where this is the one they think they can make a massive impact on. So I'm very keen for that one. Yeah, after Wales beat Portugal, Ireland played Tonga. They won 59-16. I think the big talking points of that is Ireland have named full strength sides. They are just basically a metronome at the moment, just really going through the motions. Bundy Aki is hitting ridiculous form. Um, and the other thing is Tonga just didn't fire a shot, which, which sucks. Um, I think it really, really sucks. Uh, Charles Pieter was dancing around defenders again, but I was a little bit bummed about Aki and Fekito in sure, the midfield. Was- I really thought that they were going to work people. You know when they lost that game? Yes, I, I almost. I was watching it Saturday night and I almost, almost broke my friend's TV. When it was, about, it was the first try they conceded when all the guys was catch the ball market. Don't get it. I'll punish you. Yeah. Then, then, then it's 10-6. All right. You made, you made a crucial error. It's fine. Get back into it. I think it was, was, was it Carter or put a great kick? No, or the floor. I can't remember who kicked it. But could, nice, deep kick. Nice and deep. James Lowe picks it up, kicks it back. Then Carter comes and takes James Lowe out. No, for no reason. Takes him out off the ball. Yeah. No reason whatsoever. Kicks in the corner, 17-6. I almost, I almost like, I was like, <laughs> like are, you, are you kidding me? I was like, what, like, what are we doing here? And it's like, this Tonga just, those, I was like, oh. This, I still said to my man, like, oh. I'm like, no, no, they're going to hide him now. They're like, no, man, Tonga can still fight back. I'm like, they're not coming back. Like, they're playing against Ireland. And I thought Ireland was... What I, what I thought Ireland was very good at is they just, every opportunity Tonga, they just gave them, they just hurt them. They didn't, they didn't allow them, when, when, whenever they made big mistakes, they didn't allow Tonga to get out of jail. They didn't allow Tonga to sort of, okay, cool, it's fine. We'll for, well, we, oh, we made this mistake, but it's fine. We, Ireland does, loses a line out. It's, they make a mistake, try. Thanks for coming. Stupid, mm. stupid uh, penalty. We're going to go corner. We're going to maul it. We're going to take a try. So, and then I thought was, in the second half, shock was interesting. Is obviously, I think Ireland is. I know they haven't rested. 
they've played a bulk of their starters, but they've been smart in the way they've used them. For example, Fanny was on the bench in the last game. So this time, 16 window for a lot earlier. So they have been Henshaw sort of came. So they have actually rotated in a, in, a, in a sort of different way. I think obviously the cohesion's there. And I do think a big part of it is also that the full week break they get before they play us as well. So it's not like they're playing Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. And then, it, so it's, I think that's been interesting. And, and something that what I found interesting with Ireland is they've told themselves, and even Omarion spoke about it, that we came here to win seven games. That's what they know. So Johnny Sexton, won, for me, Johnny Sexton, I, I felt he had, to, looking back now, he had to play those two games. Because he lost was his first game in six months. So he had to play some, some yeah. sort of rugby. So I think it's easy, sort of easing their way in. I, I definitely think they are looking to race players against Scotland. I wouldn't be surprised if be the Springboks, maybe you'll see like a Ross Byrne or Jack Crowley starting a 10, a few changes there. So, but yeah, it's, Tonga, flip, man, they pissed me off. Yeah. Oh, that first 10 minutes. Sexton, Sexton um, is now officially the highest point scorer for Irish rugby. He overtook uh, Ronan O'Gara. The weekend, very Big interesting. Johnny Sexton, 38 years old. Rugby, for Tier 2 Rugby on Twitter, it's a massive day for him. He's been waiting for this for oh, 62 yeah. <laughs> But very interesting. Uh, Sexton, number one Irish, um, fourth in the world. He is 100 points behind a player that is seven years younger than him, 31-year-old Owen Farrell. I couldn't believe it. Owen Farrell has over 100 points more than Johnny Sexton in Test Rugby. It doesn't help that Sexton decides to play four Six Nations games a year. So, <laughs> fair enough. It's, it, but yeah, that was something help. that shocked me. So the thing is, Johnny Sexton also has also, also had injuries to also sort of deal with. So, I don't, so what I, one thing I like about Owen Farrell is the more Sexton gets injured, the more Farrell decides to get bad. This is, this is like how the European yes. brothers look after each other over there. Same, same. Exactly. Same, same. From one shock to another, Fiji finally, finally did it. After last weekend playing the game of the round against Wales and just coming, coming short, Fiji went up against the old enemy, Australia. I mean, the history between the two, just from a rugby point of view, the players, the interchanging, all, all that sort of jazz, massive. Fiji roll Australia, 15-22. Eddie Jones been taking a little bit in the neck. Um, came out to saying they're all focusing on Wales now. They're going to have to. I was their World Cup's done. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Fiji. Fiji, for me, Semi Radradra was not a 12. They made the change. They put Joshua Tusova in a 12, and he absolutely ran riot. Radradra on the wing. Naikalevu uh, at 13. Again, I want to mention it. He deserves to be in the conversation for one of the best 13s in the world. Incredible. He has to be in that conversation. What a player. And Fiji. Just for those who don't know, and we all know, so I'm just going to repeat it just for shits and giggles. Fiji, we know they are going to run you. We know they're going to offload. We know they're going to incredible athletes. They're fast and they will just rip you to pieces. What Fiji are now doing is they are kicking for poles. <laughs> they took points. They are asking for scrums and they are scrumming you. Like the only part of Fiji that is not working 100% at the moment is the lineout. And I tell you, everyone has been put on notice. Fiji are playing some rugby and Fiji are dangerous. They are going to be in the quarterfinals. I, I honestly believe they will be. But my man, what a game and what a win against Australia. Oh, what a game of rugby. 
what a game of rugby. And like you said, Sean, it, it wasn't a Fiji of, of older, 38, 36, try Bonanza, sort of doing it. Is they outkicked the Wallabies. They controlled the tempo of the game, played in the right areas, took scrums, took their penalties. They scored, Fiji scored one try, scored a try yesterday. And um, just the way they controlled the game, they wouldn't control the game until the last five minutes. I was like, when they, and then it got nervy. When, they, when they let Australia in, I was like, oh, geez. And they were keeping overlaps. I'm like, oh, geez, Fiji, like, not like this, please. And I, I just, like you said, I thought the pack was inc- incredible. Except for line out time, but Bot-tier. what they lacked, what bot-tier, they lacked, when the lineup fell apart, Sean, Fiji, do you remember that game last year? when Ireland beat the Wall- the All Blacks, I think it was the second game or the third game, when in that 10-minute spell where Tyburn became, I think he had like six turnovers, where he basically changed the tide of the game. And I think Fiji in that last 15 minutes was incredible in the breakdown. So they would lose a line out. They went for everything. I've never they seen a team go for a steal every single breakdown. It was incredible. So like, it, it, it almost like, one facet of the game, because it tends to be like, oh, they lose a line and then they sort of fall apart. But they, one facet of the game sort of let them down. And then, the, but the ability to get the ball back, they didn't panic. They, which is a, they never panicked. They just, and, and all those steals, it wasn't just like from one player, it was Botia from here. Then, then the two props will come and get a steal. Then Andrade gets a steal. Then Tuisova gets two steals. Then Botia pops up again. So you got all these threats there. I thought, I thought Bocci was amazing. I thought Dodrado is an absolute beast. Tuisova was an absolute machine. Oh, I can't pronounce it. That, 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 the starting nine, oh, what's his name again? He was... Oh, shit. So, 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 so crucial. Because, I mean, he, he, he got there. What he was able to do in terms of... Just in terms of um, keeping... Yeah, Simone Curvoli. In terms of putting the points on board, massive call from massive call from 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 massive call to start him ahead of Lomani, but he came and, in there and to make him the kicker, and that's why, like, because um, Teller was struggling a little bit at ten. I mean, they've obviously lost months, so they put him in. Say, listen, you're going to kick, and he said, "Cool, hold my beer, I got this." Yeah, it was it was such a such an incredible performance. I loved everything about it. The biggest thing, Sean, for me for Fiji is. They're actually in the pound seat because they've actually left Pool C. They've they've gone through Wales and and Australia, so they they've got the two hardest fish out the way now. So Portugal will be tricky, but I mean Portugal and Georgia will be tricky. But Fiji should be backing themselves to at least leave with a bonus point against Portugal, and then beat Georgia. So at least yeah. Leave and the thing is, is they let points. themselves down last in the twenty nineteen mm-hmm. World Cup. And uh, I, and I think they would have learned from that. They they've got you know they they've got to to prove something, and they're not going to drop it against the minnows. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come away with ten points from the next two games. I think they will definitely they talk because I mean last World Cup they lost Uruguay, so that sort of that sort of ended the campaign before it started. And then now Australia is they oh, it's a massive game against Wales for them because Wales also doesn't have to win this game. Because Wales got two out of two. They haven't been pretty, but they've, yes. <laughs> they've got two out of two. So Wales also playing a little bit with house money, whereas Wales going, well, if we lose this game now, because this pool is going to be an absolute 
it's, 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 it's going to be hectic. Australia, if Australia loses weekend, the, the, the dream is over. They're done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for them to leave that first two games on six points is... is no, I know they're probably one of the... Should have, should have won last weekend, but they still, they still got two bonus points out of it. I mean, they got a bonus point out of it. So that's, that's, that's massive for them to have left there with well, two, bonus, two bonus points, six points out of the first two. You take that and run. Yeah, amazing, amazing performance. Wrapping up the weekend, England beat Japan a little bit tight to, to start, but uh, they won 34-12. George Ford, another man of the match performance. Things looking good for England um, in the perfect group to gain a little bit of momentum. They're winning, winning ugly. Um, it's about time uh, someone did it um, because, you know, we took a lot of heat for it for many, many years. But, but yeah, I think wrapping that up, we're going to look into, into this, week's, this week's games. And I think most importantly, we can look through it and see what it's going to impact on the pools. So, their game starting Wednesday this week. So Wednesday and Thursday, Pool A are playing. Italy-Uruguay is the first one. And then France-Namibia, the second one, with the All Blacks having a little bit of a break. Now, Italy-Uruguay, Cooks, is going to be quite something because Italy have five points from their one win. And they are obviously looking... I mean, they'd love to put the All Blacks under pressure, but I think realistically, France and New Zealand are going to win this group. But Italy are looking for that third space, that third place to automatically qualify for the next World Cup. Uruguay might change things for them. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think definitely that's, that's going to be the big one. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually going to go upset. I think Uruguay goes and, um, Uruguay goes and pops them off. I think... Um, Especially as also Italy named their side today. Um, I was, I was yes. still kept Paolo Gabisi at, at 12. No, at 12. Um, Allen's at 10 and Gabisi's at 12. Out of Cape Gabisi at 10. Um, oh, sorry, my apologies. I'm going to, yeah, I think, I think Uruguay. I'm, I, I, I'm here for the fairy tales. Fiji, we need a one upset, like just one little, just to start the domino effect. So Fiji's done that now. Now we can add, now the others can come in. Yeah, yeah. So, so you reckon Uruguay are going to beat them? Then Thursday, France, Namibia. That's obviously going to be pretty clear what's going to happen there. Um, yeah, Namibia to win by Friday. 40. Yeah, Friday. <laughs> Argentina, Samoa in Pool D. Now, Pool D. England played two, nine points. Samoa played one, five points. Japan played two, five points. Argentina played one, zero points. Samoa are going to go great guns at this because a win for them could almost guarantee a quarterfinal and Argentina, Michael Chaik is going to throw everything, go throw all the toys out of the cot. Do you reckon Samoa can beat Argentina? Are Argentina going to crumble under the pressure and not come out and not show us the best that they've got? Or you reckon Samoa is going to take it? I think Argentina after the shit show they put on against England needed actually a longer break just to be like, they couldn't play again too quickly. Like, they couldn't come back play rugby again in the middle of that because they could have just added, made things worse after the mess they, they put on against England. So I think Argentina will sort of will bounce back. And I think Samoa, I think Samoa will definitely not make it easy. I think it's going to be a massive game on the weekend. I think Samoa definitely feels like they can take Argentina, but I, I, I'm backing... Michael Checker and Argentina just sort of, they can't play any worse than they did against England. 
So I think that's this what Czech is probably thinking. Like we can't play any worse. If they do, then but there's a lot of pressure can... on that game. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, Samoa can can, can secure Samoa. a spot, and Argentina can lose it. No, hundred percent. So it makes it, it it makes it it makes it very very interesting. But I, I'm going to lean towards Argentina. Okay. Okay. That's uh, oh, that's only one game on Friday. Nice, uh, nice and early, six p.m. for us. Saturday, Georgia Portugal, Pool C. Little bit of an interesting one. Uh, the it's the basement battle basically. So whoever wins there will get their first win. Uh, first win. I don't think any of them are really going to put in any contention into to challenge challenge the top two. England Chile. After that, I think that's pretty self explanatory. His own Farrell back already. I think he is. Um, I think yeah, he back, only missed the first two games. Yeah, so he yeah, probably will start and they'll rest George Ford, eh? Yeah, he has to play. He has to play. I mean, having missed the, the first two games, I think it's a good game to sort of ease him back in. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, because everything's all at just a curtain raiser, Saturday night, 9 p.m., South Africa Island. I mean, yo, I'm pumped. I yeah. am pumped. And basically, winner of that is going to finish top. Um, both played 2-1-2. Two, two. Ireland got nine points. That's uh, Ireland got 10, we got nine. Winner of that is essentially going to go through. But more importantly, as a neutral, for South Africa to win that, it would cause so much chaos for Ireland and get them ready for their final game against Scotland. Because imagine Ireland are in the form that they're in, they go and lose to South Africa and then fall short against Scotland and don't make the quarterfinals. It'll be one of the biggest upsets out there, um, you know, not to even make the quarters. It's, it's probably not going to happen, but there's a reality, like there's that unknown space. And I think on Saturday, we'll know for sure. Because let's say they play badly and they get ripped apart by South Africa, then Scotland are just going to be like, poof, hello, we've seen the blueprint, let's go on and do it. Um, if Ireland win, I don't think South Africa are going to be in too much trouble on 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 missing out on the on the quarterfinals. I think the Springboks are pretty much set. Obviously, they don't need to; they can't fall to Tonga in the end. What do you reckon is going to happen, Cooks? Uh, listen, more importantly, your pregame is it all sorted out? It's a nine o'clock game, so you can't start it too early. Is your pregame done? You've got cold beers sorted. Can you talk us through your routine? Because we worked through this long and hard with you two years ago, huh? Unfortunately, I'm working, so so no cold ones for me. I'll be I'll be in East London, so Put all my cold ones come out on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> now my free game, I'll be in East London. I'll be all sorted. I think the, the only game I've watched with the box this year, and I actually had cold ones and wasn't working, actually lost. So so I uh-huh. actually like need to. So you've so actually, changed your uh, game actually, plan as well. Yeah, Very unfortunately, I've had, to, I've, I've had to sort of go from <laughs> six five three to seven one, but. So interesting for me is Sean. I don't think Scotland will can beat Ireland. I don't think so. I think Ireland's too good to lose. Even if they lose to the box, I think the box will win this weekend. Even if they lose the box, I don't think I, I don't think Ireland can be will lose back to back games. Do you think so Scotland are that bad that they won't fire one shot at the World Cup because they didn't fire a shot against the Springboks? You no, reckon they're not, not going to fire not, a shot against Ireland? Not that they're that bad. I think Ireland is that good. That's that's yeah. that that's okay. that's. My biggest thing. So my thing with Ireland, and I tweeted about this, and I said Ireland's biggest challenge in this World Cup is history, because 
no matter how well they've come in, everyone goes, oh, they're, they're going to lose the quarterfinal. Oh, they're going to lose the quarterfinal. That's what they know. So I'm like, but, so it doesn't matter. If, so no, even, even though they've been the best team in the world this year, still unbeaten, haven't lost a game since June last year, coming into the World Cup in good form, their best player comes back just before the World Cup starts. And it's like, yeah, but it's not, and I said, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a schedule. And, 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 you know, like, it's just <laughs> like, they, they, they could choke. I'm like, if, and I said, like, if any other team, if England or, the, or New Zealand or the box came in with this sort of form, it wouldn't matter who they play. They'd be like, these are the best team in the world. I don't care if they're playing France in the quarterfinals or this, they're just going to steamroll them or they should win. They should be fresh in those games where that's where I'm with Ireland. Ireland for me is a high class outfit. This weekend we are battle the two best sides in the world at the moment for more, just in terms of form. And I still think whoever loses this game will still be fine for the quarterfinal. Because at the end of the day, Sean, yes. there is no there's no winner or loser in this in this pool because you're gonna get either France or New Zealand, who I think, especially the All Blacks, they're still gonna punch to fire in the semi in the quarterfinal. That game is those quarterfinals are still gonna be massive. So I think for England, I think Ireland will be fine. It, when if if they lose against this weekend, I think this, they, sh- they should again they should still beat Scotland. If they lose to Scotland, then fuck everything I just said pretty much, and I'm never ever saying another good word about the Irish ever again. <laughs> never again will I praise uh... them. They can win thirteen Grand Slams in a row because now I've given them all my praise. So they, if they go yeah. lose to the box, lose to Scotland next weekend, I'm done with them forever, forever. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stop drinking Guinness. Guinness will be done. I'll, I'll stop wearing the color green. I won't even, anything, I won't eat shamrock pies. Anything that's <laughs> Irish culture. I won't even look at three leaf clovers anymore. I'll stop watching wrestlers. Who are, I'll, I'll, I'll stop watching Becky Lynch on WWE who's an Irish wrestler. Anything that's going to do with Ireland, I'll stop listening to you 2 I'm going to bash Bono and all these charities. Anything that's got, anything that has to do with Ireland, I will promise you, I will find a way to cancel if they lose to the Springboks and then lose a squad in a week after and knock themselves out after just praise them so nicely. Imagine, imagine. That brilliant uh, conversation wraps up uh, Saturday. Sunday opens up with Scotland Tonga. Um, pretty, pretty clear. I think obviously Scotland going to win that. It'll be, be a good game though. That's one thing I'm excited about. But the biggest one that we're all talking about is Sunday. Sunday night. 9 p.m., Wales play Australia. Now, just to fill things in, Wales have played 2-1-2, got 10 points. Fiji have played 2-1-1, got 6 points. Australia played 2-1-1, got 6 points. Wales, Australia are playing for basically... Australia are playing for their lives, essentially. Because Fiji is still going to play Georgia and Portugal. We spoke about it. It looks like uh, we'll, they'll get... They'll minimum they'll get eight points out of that, but I reckon they'll get ten, so we can settle on nine. So they'll go up to fifteen. Wales would need to win if they were if they want to make sure everything's sorted. And then Australia, just to so everyone knows, if points are level, then the team that you are level with it is separated between by the result of that game. So if Wales and Australia are level on points. And Wales beat the, uh, beats Australia, then or oh, sorry, Australia. So if if for the, in order for that to happen, Australia would beat Wales. 
then Wales would miss out because Australia won that head-to-head battle. After that, it only goes to points difference and then um, goes to try difference, I think. But I don't think we'll get that far. So it's very important to know that if there's teams level on points, it is on head-to-head and then only points difference. Wales, Australia. Cooks, Eddie Jones is a little, little eating some humble pie, didn't have a, have a massive go at the, at the media. Basically said we're focusing ahead of Wales. Wales are coming into it slowly, both, both sides shaking. Um, there's a very good chance Fiji could finish top, top of this group. But Wales, Australia, what's happening? Sure. Eddie Jones is arguably one of his most important coaching weeks of his career. It's, it's massive for them. Wallabies have to win this game. But I'm actually leaning towards Wales to win this game. I think Wales is going to win. The Wallabies experience, is going to, it's coming to hurt them. I think the game yesterday is a perfect game for a Michael Hooper, Quade Cooper, just in terms of being able to sort of try and control that game. Like, it, it's so hard because, for example, they take off Carter Gordon and you move Ben Donaldson at 10. Ben Donaldson, has, I think, is about four or five caps. The reserve scrum they put on, that was his second cap. It's like, who's there to stay in the ship? Samu Karevi comes off. So you're like, <laughs> there's no experience here. There's no experience here to sort of ride the ship and ride the ship at a time like that where they actually got back into the game. And they sort of forced their hand, forced their hand, forced their hand. Didn't have enough patience. Try to score. Try, just try to score a try in the first two phases when they actually had about. They when they got back in the game, there was twelve minutes left. So, but I think this weekend, I think Wales wins in a classic Warren Ball game, 15-8. I think Wales defensively, I think will have enough for Australia. I think Australia attack wise, it's all. Big flashy pays from Mark. Let me get Noah Kotowasi. Jesus, such a great player. I'm, I'm really, I've been worried. It's my, it's my mission for the World Cup to get his name right. Um, yeah. And then Sammy Karevi as well. So it's, it's big plays from there. That's what's getting them through. So, but I think Wales will have a little bit of too much experience. I think Warren Ball is Warren Balling at the moment where sometimes they never look convincing, but they somehow are able to string together performance in a quarterfinal, getting a semifinal. So I think Lady Jones, um, Australia, I think they, they lose this weekend and find themselves in a very, very dark, dark, dark place to be. You know me in balance. You've got to have it. And the Wallabies don't. Yeah, there's no one that can really, you can look at and draw, draw some, some experience from or some help. I mean, a couple of guys around, but... As a whole, you can't. Um, very interesting. I heard a couple of guys were saying that Nick White didn't have a good game. I thought, I didn't think he had a bad game. And I think he's vital that he needs to be there. I think he's probably their best, their best nine. I don't see how people don't, don't rate him, but I should probably watch the game again. There's also talk that Ben Donaldson is going to start at 10 this weekend and they're going to drop Carter Gordon and they're going to put Mark Nawana Katawasi at 15. It's quite something that these conversations are happening. And to be fair, they brought it, Eddie Jones brought it on himself by naming this inexperienced squad. But having these conversations before a, a, what, what is a quarterfinal, or it's a knockout game for them, um, very simply, you know, <laughs> you've got to win it if you want to go further into the World Cup. 
Um, Eddie Jones is going to have a lot to answer for. Um, this whole prep for the next World Cup is one thing. You know, if he's signed a massive contract with ARU, um, you know, like what's going to happen, man? Like they're struggling even in the loose trio. 100%. Shocky, with the, pl- the planning he's done now, for example, in this World Cup, it has to, he has to win the Lions Tour in 2025. So he has to start there. They can't go experience, say, for example, inexperienced side, get knocked out in the group stages, in a group where, and a side that could have gotten, in a, in a side of the pool, they could have gotten a, a semi final. And they're going to lose the Lions, and then magically come 2027, everything's going to be all hunky dory. We're hosting the World Cup, and now everything's going to be fine. For me, with Eddie Jones, the hard part is the fact that he had, if he kept the, the Coopers and the guys there, I thought there was enough players there to sort of make a semi final run based on the pool, the side of the pool that they're in. Yeah, so it's a perfect of, opportunity to go deep. And the thing is, like, it's one of those things where you look at Steve Borthwick, for example, and the people that are praising England, can you get off the bandwagon that I built <laughs> on my own after the loss to Fiji? I built it. No one ever mocked at me when I was building this bandwagon. I said, and I said they could get to the final. And then, first of all, I said they won all their pool games. Everyone laughed at me. I was building this bandwagon. Now, all of a sudden, they're being defended for playing ugly. I'm, can everyone just get off my bandwagon? Please, Sharky. I need people to get off this bandwagon. They weren't there when I was looking for tools. No one helped me build this thing. Now, <laughs> everyone's on board. <laughs> but like, for example, Steve Borthwick, oh. you can sort of see, he's gone, okay, ugly rugby. It's not going to be pretty. This is what, this is the, George Ford. Know him. I trust him. Worked with him Leicester. Can, this is how we're going to play our games. Good pack. We're going to dominate. We're going to, it's not going to be pretty. We're going to be good defensively. And this was going to, what was going to get us through. Australia could have been the same, but we said, I'm going to pick a little bit of experience. The guys that have, have been there at Dave Rennie, we can still make a sort of, we can still make a deep run into the World Cup and then build from 2026. I mean, from 2020, from 2024. Next year, scrap everything, build again. Because now, Eddie Jones' decision if Eddie Jones got to the quarterfinal and lost, that would be fine. He can't lose this weekend. Because then the decision now is tough for those kids. Yeah. Um, I quite like Eddie Jones. I quite like Australia. Um, but it's really hard to see what he's trying to do here. And you know what Borthwick's doing with England is right. If you look at, like, if you look at the, br- the blueprint of how to salvage a World Cup on short notice, you got to look at Rassi Rasmus and what he did with the Springboks from 2018. I'm not saying England can go on and win it, but I, I'm with you. I think England can go deep. Um, they've definitely got the individuals to do it, and they need them to start playing, which is starting to happen. If you saw the first game against Argentina, the forwards were playing incredible rugby, but they were feeding off Ford, and Ford was feeding off the forwards. And then on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, they. You know, they're scrappy, but they, there were some good things that came out of their win against, um, against Japan. Most importantly is that George Ford is cooking. The centers seem to be doing quite well. And that's the thing, is the Springboks based it on sorting out your defense and just playing test rugby, like old school test rugby. And that's what England seem to be doing now. Like It's not going to give you a plethora of tries. And I think that's what Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones is kind of putting the, the, horse, uh, the cart before the horse. and um, it's weird saying this about one of the most experienced rugby coaches in the world, but something's not vibing there. And, um, and out of the two, I mean, basically, 
England and Australia both basically cut off at the knees and started from square one a couple months before the World Cup. So it's Borthwick versus Eddie, and obviously Wales as well have it, and wanting to see what, what is going on and how it's going to work. And I think England are winning, winning that battle at the moment against all three of those sides. Like they kind of know what their, their rugby is all about, who they are, like true to themselves. And even though they've had issues with, with discipline, they've still got the players there and they're going to start building momentum. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Wales, if Australia win this, it's by ball hair. If Australia win this, it's by some random 50-meter try in 15 phases with the clock in the red. Or, um, or Wales going to win it with a penalty somewhere along the line. But, yeah, it's not looking good for Eddie Jones, eh? No, Sharky, definitely not. But, yeah, it's a massive gamble. Um, I think, yeah, you see, Gatton's the same thing, though, Sharky. You can see sort of he went back to try and test it. And he's like, you know what, if anything I'm going to fix, I can fix it next year. But now I'm going to try and test it. I've got a chance to make, find myself in a semifinal. And I think that's what Gatton's going for. I mean, and Eddie Jones is the only one who's sort of gone the, the other way in terms of going with the youth. But yo, it's, I just, it's, it's hard. And I think if they do win, it's going to be about ball here as well. I think it's going to be very, very close. But I, I just don't think them, they can do anything after that. That's the, that's the, that's the hard part. Yeah. The thing about England, England, are their squad is a little bit more balanced. Um, Wales seems a little bit more balanced. If you look there, when their first side they're named, I mean, that was a pretty solid side um, to play Fiji. And then, and then Australia, you look at Australia, and you're just like, shit, they're like, yeah, they're missing it. But yeah, to our, our, our Aussie dirt trackers, we apologize for all the doom and gloom. And to the rest of you, um, yeah, I hope, it, uh, I hope it's a bit of positivity <laughs> before, before round three of the World Cup. It starts round one and three. We're always going to be big ones and then a couple more things afterwards. But Cooks, that's definitely going to wrap up our round two, uh, our round two, look at round two of the Rugby World Cup and, and deep dive into the Springbok squad and what's going to happen and how we don't really know what's going down. But Cooks, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I'm so glad that we managed to sort this out. Um, and uh, yeah, anything you want to wrap up with before we close off? No, thanks, Shocky. Good to be back. And um, yeah, enjoy the rugby this weekend, guys. Hopefully Tyler yeah. and Jared, our European assholes, will come back. <laughs> Tyler's on a flight <laughs> soon. I think he leaves in two days. But yeah, uh, on days, that, yeah. happy birthday. It's a belated happy birthday to Tyler. He's spent it in France watching the Springboks in World Cup. What an unbelievable uh, way to spend your birthday. So, Tyler, I hope you had, a, had, a, had the greatest time, my man. Looking forward to having you back. We'll, uh, to the rest of us, to Dirt Trackers and the rest of us from the Rugby Bits Pod, thank you so much for listening. We will be back later on in the week for some previews for South Africa Island and the rest of the World Cup. Um, and looking forward to chatting. You have a great one. Bye.